0: Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition, well-being and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry.
1: This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Cassandra Smith. Cassandra is a dermal clinician who was born and bred in Canberra and has spent over 14 years in the skin and beauty industry. She is forever chasing new ideas for the best treatment outcomes, providing education for the therapist and consumers alike, and believes that every day is an opportunity to learn and inspire others. Between continuous learning and writing on industry topics, keynote speaking, treating and treatment planning, you'll find Cassandra running two busy clinics in Canberra, namely
0: Laser Clinics Australia Canberra Centre and Woden. So, welcome back, Cassandra. Thank you for coming back again. This is your third episode with us now. So, um... I guess this is the second part of a therapist education type spin mm-hmm. on on yeah. episodes. Um, so we are now gonna sort of come on to some of the more tricky parts of the the job, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So leading straight into your first question, um, can you give any advice or tips on I guess ensuring how you avoid complications with things like skin or laser treatments? Because, you know, these can be minor or quite severe, can't they? Yeah. So yeah. how do you go about avoiding those things?
2: Uh, Consultation, education, consultation, (laughs) education, (laughs) consultation, education training. Yeah. Uh, So I think it's really important that the foundation of a successful therapist is how good they are at, at consulting and I think really understanding how to provide the right treatment application for them selecting the right treatment modality and then getting them to an agreed expected outcome. Yeah. Uh, so I think as long as you understand exactly how the treatment works, exactly how you're going to apply it, and you really thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly go through exactly what the prep care is, yes, what the experience will be like in the clinic, and then what the expectation should be on the client to look after themselves at home because remembering as a therapist you can only keep them safe in your treatment room. Yeah. So you have to be able to form that relationship very quickly and discuss with that client that it's absolutely a team. We're a team first and foremost. Yeah. Whether it's something very, very simple like laser hair removal for the underarm or something far more advanced, we need to take it seriously straight away and we need to understand that there's pre and post-care as well as what I deliver for you in the treatment room.
1: Yeah, mm. I think that's really important. I'm not going to suggest that anyone would be not truthful, but... Uh-huh. What do you do in situations where clients aren't telling you the truth in terms of medications they're on, yep. sun exposure, like you'll get people coming, oh, I haven't been in the sun, really? You look really dark. <laughs> um, like So, yep. how do you how do you sort of deal with that? And also things like tanning injections and all these sort of weird and wonderful things people are doing to sure. themselves. How do you manage that?
2: So, I think creating a really safe environment, which sounds silly, but it, it genuinely does work. So, you can tell if someone isn't giving you 100% of the story Straight away, mm. so you would say things like, "Just so you know, uh, Jake, if that if that does change, we would need to know. The reason we need to know is some medications can actually change our ability to treat you safely." And those you know, adverse reactions can pop up from that sort of a result. So if anything changes from your consultation today, let me know and we can adjust the treatment parameters that we treat you with mm. to make sure we keep you safe. Yes. And they go, oh, actually this thing happened or like I was thinking about doing this or oh, I forgot a medication I'm taking because not everyone wants to tell you 100% of their life. And I think also because the treatments themselves look quite effortless to apply. If you think about just the easiest treatment we do, so underarm laser hair removal, it's just a, a few pulses. It's super quick. So it doesn't seem scary. It doesn't seem like there's an outcome that could be that yeah. adverse. So I think people sometimes choose to withhold a bit of information because they're not quite sure it would be that, I suppose, important at the time.
0: I completely agree with that. You know, when we take a medical history before injectables, there are some questions that initially don't seem relevant to the mm. client and they're like, oh no, that's not me. And then you... Sort of ask a few more questions and then they jump back to it and say, Oh, I forgot to say exactly it on right. Yeah, XYZ. So they need to feel
2: safe. I think yep.
0: some of it has to be relevant to them, but also, yes. right, giving them the environment to not feel silly to
2: mm-hmm.
0: open up and tell you that you know they yeah. might have had a big weekend and done something that <laughs> maybe it's asking you know, them the to volunteer
2: as well. Ask the second way in slightly different and give them the why because if you just ask them to answer you, correct, they'll give withhold. them the why. Which is really important. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes as well, when you're treating so many clients, I guess, from a therapist's perspective, Mm -hmm. they might get a little bit slack with re-asking the question because they've Mm. seen this client five, six times before. They haven't asked the question again, hey, have you had any changes in medication? Mm -hmm. Have you had recent sun exposure? I think that they can get complacent with that and not ask the question
2: true. I think if you sit with your team and deliver training that's effective and repetitive, that really, really helps. So all the girls know as soon as they walk a client through exactly what to say, how to say it, when to say it, even where they're standing when they say it, it becomes part of just the treatment application. Because we can remember how to use a laser. We can remember how to perform a facial treatment. We can remember how to use a particular piece of machinery. It's just about treating your pre-consultation to every single appointment, as well as your foundation initial consultation as part of that treatment. Same I think we get better. Time. Exactly right. So I'll say the same thing to you, whether I've seen you, you know, for 10 years, yeah. I'll say the same thing to you, whether or not you're my dad or whether you're a, like a stranger a client today, Yeah, everything is always the same. When I think as a therapist, you sleep a lot better as you know, you're providing a treatment because you know you've done the right settings, you've based all your information on, you know, what that client has given you. Yeah. You've got a good relationship with the client. You've asked them all the right questions. So you're sleeping a lot better. You're not worried about adverse reactions and hopefully you're getting to a great a great outcome. Yeah.
0: In terms of aftercare and stuff like that, and I, I know that um your your chain of clinics maybe doesn't do this, but do you think there's some uh, help to maybe email this information rather than hand out information on a piece of paper, or what's the best yeah. way to get people to retain this information when they go home?
2: So you'll know your client when you when you're talking to them. So if you've got someone who's not a hundred percent listening to you, you'll make sure they take home the aftercare sheet because as long as you've given them the information, yeah. That's it's their responsibility at that point to make sure they're making the right decisions for their health as well. My well.
0: worry of paper is it just goes straight in the bin or in the A lot car, of people take a photo. I've
2: actually had a lot of people take a photo of it and give you back the hard copy.
0: That's a good idea. I respect idea. that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I think that the consultation, you know, needs to take a considerable amount of time so that you both understand exactly what you're getting into. Yeah. And again, remembering you're a team I can only keep you safe while you're in the treatment room with me. And if we want to work together to get you to the outcome that you want, we've got to come 50-50. Yeah. So if I know that you're looking after yourself at home and you can trust me as that that technician in that treatment room, we're always going to get to a
0: healthy
2: result. just for
0: safety, to get the result as well.
2: Exactly right. So
0: there's no point in wasting your time if you're not prepared to do the aftercare or...
2: Yeah, and prep care especially. There's some treatments that work remarkably better if the client has prepped the night before or has prepped, you know, two, three weeks leading up to it. Yeah. So there's heaps of things you can do to say, look, this is a result I can get you. This is what I expect on this sort of a, a commitment from you. However, if you're open to it, let's discuss some prep care to really enhance those results for you.
1: What would prep care involve? Can you give us an example?
2: Sure, so some uh, peeling solutions that we use in clinic require you to get almost used to a lower level of that ingredient. Right. So your body would get used to it and you'd build and build and build so that you can get a really great result in the treatment room itself. Right. If you weren't going to be prepping, you'd have to use a lower solution peel or it wouldn't work as effectively. Right. And I think once you can talk about prep and post-care, you know, Jake, maybe injectables is part of the treatment plan. So if they're open to it, we'll be talking about skin health and how we can best help them in, you know, internal skin care, in clinic skin care. Um, And then, you know, working with a cosmetic nurse or doctor to further enhance the the results we're looking for. So Mm. pre-post care as well doesn't necessarily just need to be about you as the physical provider of that one treatment. It could be saying to them, you know, you're really concerned with this particular area of your skin or this type of ailment. I think you'd benefit from working on your internal gut health as well as working with the products you're using at home. Let's get you a consultation with one of our injectors to make sure that we're giving you a fully rounded education as to how we can get you to a great result. Yeah. And I'll work with your in clinic.
1: Mm. Sounds good. What if you get to these situations during the consult or prior to treatment where you're not sure the client may or may not have Divulge everything, would you do something like say a test patch, call a doctor exactly to get right. some sort of clearance? How, how would that work?
2: Uh, so test patching is always important.
1: And what is that exactly just for people that might not know what we're talking so about? So
2: let's say you're doing a test patch for laser hair removal. Mm-hmm. You'd actually be applying the laser to the skin in a smaller area right. just to see how their body will respond.
0: And um, do, you, are you saying that you just wait five minutes or go back and come back in a week or?
2: Uh, if I'm honest, it depends on the treatment outcome you're looking for and what treatment you're looking at doing. Okay. Um, but you'll know if you're having a, like a photosensitive reaction or a reaction that isn't necessarily something we're looking for yeah. quite soon, like within hours. Okay. Uh, so for me, test patching is something that I will do in all high-level or high-risk treatments mm. uh, just to make sure we're making the right decision for the client. If there's ever a time where I don't feel as though I'm able to make the safest decisions for my client because I'm not being given enough information or reword the way I'm asking it or I'll refer on. Yeah. So, it might be that they're better suited to a different, uh, I suppose, provider of treatments or whether or not I've given enough information so that client can give me, you know, the the answers to the questions that I've, I've, I suppose, needed information for. Yeah.
0: I guess we've all had that client who's like, yeah, 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 sure, sure. They just sign, Mm -hmm. don't read it, and and you feel very uncomfortable because you know that they're not retaining what you're saying. Yeah. They've come there with a very clear goal of doing X. Yes. And that's the situation where I think we're talking about where we have Mm. to be like, okay, am I really doing the right thing do to they be have here, involved, do you understand? Are you yeah. going to follow the aftercare? Probably not. Yeah. So I think you're right. To, the ability to say no mm. or delay yes. is actually really hard for, for some people. Mm. Uh, therapists who maybe are not used to, you know, they're not used like to providing, not, not providing.
2: Yes. You form more of a relationship though, I think, by when you say no because maybe it's not the best thing for them right now. Um, if I'm honest, I think – most of the time the client will give you the information you need if you just pry a little bit further or you explain the why, why you need to know the particular information or how the decisions that they make can influence the outcome of the treatment itself. Yeah. Um, and when clients are a little flippant about it, that, that worries me. So I'll go through why it is that I need to know the information that I do. Yeah. And not that you want to scare them, but you want to make them aware of – you know what can happen if they make bad decisions. Well, you know, it's at that home?
0: sort of client that is highly likely to come back and complain, say they weren't happy with the result, or they had a minor complication.
2: So many notes, put notes everywhere. Yes, so documentation, <laughs> really is detailed really notes. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: That can be challenging as well. Mm. For young therapists who don't have a lot of experience in conflict yeah. situations, um, quite often they're treating people that are older than them.
2: Yeah yeah can,
1: can be quite difficult.
2: I think a good sentence to remember is uh, you paid to action a positive solution for both patient and clinic. So a good sentence is the best person for you to speak to about this is. And give a name. So it doesn't look like you're not necessarily understanding how to best give them a good outcome or that you uh, don't know enough information, but you're saying the best person for you to speak to about this is... David so-and-so. Segal.
1: <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but it means you're providing the right solution for that client. Because yeah. remember, you might not be the right provider, but it might also be a personality type as well. We hire different types of therapists knowing they'll appeal to a different type of client and our injectors are exactly the same. I think yeah. we have seven injectors in Canberra, mm. all completely different personality types but they will attract the right clients for them and sometimes it's not even just about worrying that the client is you know being flippant in their responses or not giving you enough information but it might also be that you're not the right person
0: 100% to work with agree them. we've all had clients you know in our clinics where they just gravitate towards me or someone else and that's yeah. cool like could be just a female-male dynamic or female-female, whatever. Um, Older injectors, younger injectors. Someone's going to clash with someone eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you just have to hold your hands up and and have no ego and say, that's fine.
2: The best person for you to speak to about this is somebody
0: else. and, And if you are that injector, that therapist, you have to sort of back yourself that, okay, I've avoided a potential complication mm-hmm. or argument by passing them on to the person they really want to go to. Yeah. Exactly. There should be no ego in this industry as far as I'm concerned. Yes. And if you do have that, you're never going to progress.
2: Yes, yeah. exactly right. You create far more work for yourself yeah. in in a negative sense.
0: 100%. Um, so just following on from that first question, what's the best course of action to follow if you have caused an adverse event? Like how do you basically tackle those tricky moments where it hasn't gone quite right?
2: Sure. I think remembering that the client in the first time they met you came for help. So I, I touched on this in, in one of the podcasts I've done with you previously, when I said it's important to hold empathy and be quite an empathetic person. So you can't necessarily have the ego of saying, no, 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 I didn't cause this, or this didn't happen. It must be something you did external to the clinic. We don't want to be talking about that sort of, that language and, and the way we're speaking is quite competitive. Yeah. What we want to do is work out exactly how the treatment was applied, go through all your notes, take photos, your own photos yes, uh, in the clinic, and talk to the client about how they feel. How did it feel in the treatment? How did it feel as they just left? How did it feel 10 hours, 24 hours later? Basically take a history. Exactly right. A really, really detailed history. And then work through, I suppose, backwards to work out what sort of aftercare they need. Um, I'm really lucky I work with a, a medical team constantly so that if I do need to refer on quickly, I can. Um, I'd recommend if you don't have access quickly to a medical team that you establish a protocol doctor um, so that they can assist you. Great advice, yeah. A lot of the time, if you have consulted correctly, and you've made great decisions in the treatment room, you've formed the right relationship with your client, it's very, very unlikely that your clinic has caused a reaction. Mm-hmm. There are a few things that pop up quite frequently that clients get very concerned about um, that's perfectly normal. So sometimes I feel like you can give all the information you possibly can in a consultation, but they've taken 10%. Correct. So it's writing all those notes and making sure they've got the forms. Yeah. Um, but take a very, very regular reaction from laser is a condition called perifollicular edema. It's just hair follicle swelling. Yeah. Um, If you've ever seen like a plucked chicken, that's what your skin can look like sometimes (laughs) after you have laser. But there are times when clients come out and they are white as a ghost and they're like, oh my gosh, this has never happened to me before. So it's having the confidence to talk through those sort of things again because remembering that just because it's the 50th time you said it today, it might be the first time that client's heard it. Yes. Um, So I I guess to answer your question, first and foremost, if, if an adverse reaction comes through, Act with care and empathy first. Take so many notes and treatment plan with that client. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can do straight away that can make the situation a lot better. Um, and work within your clinic's you know policies and procedures about how they handle adverse reactions. Mm. Um, and if you don't have them in clinic, work with you know you know other providers and and the educational facilities that you've worked with to obtain your licensing and those sort of things to ensure that you've got the right skills and and you know policies to to handle those sort of situations
0: yeah i think um yeah whether it's skin injectables laser if you're the therapist or provider you sort of want to think how would i handle this (laughs) in an emergency or with this complication before you start so (laughs) you have those flow charts of well this is who i'm going to speak to well this is what i'm going to do so you're not sort of thinking on the spot and panicking exactly right you've got that planned out already yeah
1: yeah um I think that sometimes, or just to reiterate what you're saying in terms of developing that relationship with a client so important because in the event you do have an adverse reaction, you mm-hmm. want them to come back to you so you can help yes. work on a solution and help, I guess, correct the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes what happens is people go off and seek third-party um, help, which obviously they're, yes. they're well within so their in rights common. to do so and they're entitled to do that. Mm. I'm not going to sit here and say they can't or they shouldn't, but sometimes it can... It can um, complicate matters or perhaps yeah. they've gone and seen someone who doesn't quite understand this niche area of cosmetic medicine. Exactly cos- right, and it
2: the situation,
1: yeah. Yeah, so for example, someone dis- thinks they've got a burn, for example, and they go to an emergency department at a hospital. Um, they may may or may not, they may see someone that doesn't, has, doesn't have experience with understanding mm-hmm. what a laser burn looks like. They might treat it as something else. And Jake, maybe you can speak to this being a doctor, um, sort of
0: just... Um Looking at it from a- yeah well I hate sort of going back to injectables but that's it's, it's a relevant point so you know there are a handful of expected i guess downtimes with say dermal fillers and there are a handful of more serious complications yeah. that you know we should certainly know about but you're right a lot of clients panic and their immediate reaction is, "Well, I'm not going to go back to him or her. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to someone else." Yeah. And as an extreme, they, they they can turn up in ED. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, and that's a sort of a problem with our industry. The you know the the hospital doctors are not trained in cosmetic medicine, and so they may treat something inappropriately, wrong, blast you with antibiotics when you don't need it, or uh, mm. or other treatments give you steroids when you don't need it, etc. So. I truly believe that, you know, if you can establish that relationship with your uh, client first off, even if they do have a complication, you have to own it Mm. and, you know, somehow gain that trust so the client comes back to you because you're the best person to manage it. Yes. Uh, you know, jumping around to third parties, we see it all the time, mm-hmm. including people coming. You know, to me having been injected by other people, and, and it becomes really tricky because yeah. you don't have that firsthand information. Exactly Whether right. it's yeah, you know, if, if you've been treated with a laser, you want to know what laser was it, what settings yeah. was it on, how frequently did you have it, did you have sun exposure, all those things that you would know. Yeah, there's so many things. If you were the treating play, therapist,
1: yeah. and then all of a sudden the yeah. client's in a position where they're like, oh God, who do I believe? Mm. This person's just in my opinion, burnt me, I'm yep. getting told by Dr. XYZ at the hospital that this is what I should do. They're telling me that. I don't yep. know what to believe. Yep. And yeah. And it becomes really, really difficult to manage.
0: Yeah.
2: so I think just keeping it nice and calm. Yeah. And if someone comes to you and they said, I've got an opinion and they said that this is, you know, done X, Y, and Z, and you don't necessarily agree as that, that clinic, um, I suppose, owner or manager or therapist, sitting down with the client and saying, let's talk through where we are now and how we can work together on getting to a better outcome. Because this is not why we get into industry. And in my position, I've said things like I have I would never work for as long as I have in industry to ever cause harm. And in the very, you know, very infrequent event that I have, I want to learn how to do this better. So can you help me understand yeah. after your your treatment and, and you've experienced this outcome, what made you feel like the best option for you was to speak to someone external to the clinic? And how can I do that yeah. better next time? I think you become like more like a team and that relationship comes back again and you that client more often than not will say okay well how do I get my skin back to exactly how I wanted it to and how we had goals for it to look when yeah. we first started together
0: yeah. i mean it's probably different for laser because it's you know a, a, a delivered in a clinic nine to five sort of hours but often these things happen at yeah midnight yeah. where the client suddenly realizes their arms a bit red or whatever yeah. it is and they'll just google they'll, they'll just panic they'll go to the first person <laughs> yeah. open on a sunday or or, or whatever it is injectables I, i've got to say and, and some people would criticize me for this actually give people my contact details because in that one instance where i really need to know about something rather than them going to somewhere else mm. then they can contact me it's different for laser obviously i understand that they can't yeah. call someone at midnight but um yeah i don't know maybe it's just an issue of you know people go home and and uh, they can't contact that clinic at that time and, and they jump to the True. next option i don't know i
2: guess i'm luckier in the in the sense that our business is open seven days a week but also you can see if the treatment outcome isn't as it should be Yeah, and you can start prepping that client saying like look you are experiencing quite a significant amount of, of that hair follicle swelling that perifollicular edema yeah. let's look at addressing a histamine release and let's talk about some antihistamines and let's let's up your aftercare instead of you know once every two or three hours yeah. let's be applying that aftercare cream every you know hour on the hour yeah. and you can kind of manage that from there then you give your client a call two or so days later. And so just checking in, how are you finding your skin? Yeah. And you can kind of touch base from there. Yeah. So I guess I'm a little luckier in that sense that because of the relationship we can form with our clients and the fact that our business is open seven days a week, yeah, we're uh, able to do that.
1: That's great. I mean, the reality is no matter who you are, you're going to get stuff that goes wrong sometimes. We try and keep it to a minimum, but that's mm. just the reality of, of performing treatments is that yeah. there's variable factors. You might make a mistake. Your, the client might just be unlucky. They have some yeah. sort of something about them that's just different or unusual in terms of the way they react. It's just how you manage that process.
2: Exactly right.
0: Yeah. Um, Is there a way of sort of assessing complicated or confusing skin types before you embark on a treatment?
1: I guess Mm. just to sort of pre-qualify that even further, I guess in Australia where we've got such a melting pot of ethnicities in terms of like Asian and people from all different parts of the world sort Mm -hmm. of mixing and you've got people that might present as a really fair skin type but they actually might respond as they would if they were much darker. I think that's sort of what it's difficult. How do you sort of...
2: I think you've got to go through a really thorough consultation. I feel like that's all I would say this podcast is consultation, consultation, consultation. (laughs) Uh, But it's a really thorough consultation. It's making sure that you've got the right information, the right education to be the the best provider of that service for that client. If you've got a trickier client, you've just got to make sure that you are 100% the right person because our whole goal is to get that particular client to an improvement to, you know, to meet that goal with them. So if you're the right provider, you're going to have the right information. If not, refer on, yeah. use the same the same sentence, the best person for you to speak to about this is, and move through to the next colleague
0: yeah.
2: um, and continuously educate all the time. There are so many excellent education facilities available and classes available that you can be continuously upskilling. So if you're not 100% sure on how to deal with different Fitzpatrick skin types or don't um, ethnicities, don't <laughs> necessarily treat them right now. But yeah. say to them, do you know what? I'd love to see you come in for a treatment like lower-level treatment, Yeah. Um, get the right information for them, and then start delivering that consultation in its second form when you're more informed yourself.
1: Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Would you go into uh, – sorry, just to um... – Clarify. Could you explain mm-hmm. to people what Fitzpatrick scale is? I mean, I know what it is, but maybe some people out yep. like there don't.
2: So essentially, it's a it's a, a range of questions that will ask a client to work out how they respond to sun. Uh, how they'll scar, their family ethnicity, those sort of things. And it can give us little clues as to what treatments will be best suited to them yep. or what sort of precautions pre- or post-care we should be, you know, administering for that client to ensure they get to the same outcome as, you know, their, their fellow peers. Yep. So uh, very few treatments are not available to particular skin types. We can usually work around, um, you know, how your body will respond to particular treatment modalities. As long as we ask the right questions... Theoretically, we should get to the right outcome. So, the Fitzpatrick scale allows us to do that.
1: Okay. Um, in terms of um, medications, so from mm-hmm. a therapist's perspective, what are the medications that they need to be aware of that may impact treatment or may make them unsuitable for treatment?
2: Uh, it, I guess it would depend on what treatments we were doing. Okay. Um, but to speak super broadly, yeah. photosensitive medications. Yeah. Uh, So, that would be in relation to laser treatments? Like in laser? Yeah, yeah. So, or treatments that create hypersensitivity in the skin. We don't want to be doing exfoliating treatments like peels, microdermabrasions, those sort of things. What I usually uh, choose to say, which doesn't necessarily – like not everyone will feel the same – But I personally believe that if you are not that client's primary caregiver, you shouldn't be making health decisions on their behalf. So if they're seeing a doctor consistently for a particular ailment or condition, have their doctor say to you that this is absolutely appropriate. They can definitely pursue skin treatments with you. And this is my signature and I am their primary caregiver. Some treatment facilities um, or clinics choose to keep a list of medications that they will uh, I suppose, say a high risk, I choose not to do that because I don't want to make a decision based on your health as not your primary health provider. Sensible. Uh, so for me, I draw a line in the sand at photosensitive, photosensitive medications that you know straight away, um, medications that cause super hyper uh, sensitivity like Roaccutan, those sort of things, you know that straight away. But you're not paid to know every medication under the sun. Yeah. But especially you're not paid to make the first and primary decision on that client's health.
1: Yeah. Antibiotics seem to be a common one that comes up. Yes. And I'm not really too sure. I know that some can cause photosensitivity, some it's more than others. It's also wound healing too. Yeah. So, it can
2: slow down your ability to process wound healing. Um, but again, for me, I have a very short list of things that I'll go instantaneously, not a great idea. But for the most part, I'll refer back to the primary caregiver because I'm not that and I'm paid first and foremost to get you to a positive outcome for your health and your skin. And if I can't guarantee that, I won't start yet. Yeah.
0: Very sensible.
1: Um, moving more, I guess, into business side of things in the mm-hmm. clinic, um, how do you go about um, turning like a, like a high pressure or conflict situation into a positive outcome? So you might have a client that's unhappy about an adverse event. Mm-hmm. They might be running 10 minutes late to their booking. You've got to reschedule them. Yeah. I don't know. There's hundreds of scenarios that might yeah. pop up. How do you deal with yeah. that screaming angry client and turn it into a positive?
2: Sure. Uh, so, for me, 30 words or less. Yeah. I was about to say, <laughs> I feel like I need to be in like 10 of these episodes. Yeah. Uh, so, I think you have to understand the why. So, when I first started industry, especially when I started working with busier, busier clinics and more clients in a day, say, I would forget that just because I've heard it for the 50th time that day- that it still means 100% to that one person who asked me at the 50th time that day. So it's acknowledging that it's important to that client, but understanding why. So take, for example, something that we get quite often is, let's say we're running five minutes behind. I, f- I look at it and I go, well, it's a 10-hour day. We're running five minutes behind. I think we'll be okay. But to that client, it is a really big deal. They've it's not the five minutes. Exactly. Whatever. It's something else that's influencing it. Are they anxious about the treatment? Do they not feel 100% safe? Should you be working and making sure they feel more comfortable? Is there an outcome that works better for both of you that doesn't have both of you super stressed, super anxious, and then rushing through? Because remembering you still need to deliver the right treatment outcome for them in the treatment room. It's still going to take the same amount of time.
0: Right. You don't want to compromise just to yeah, uh, you know, exactly smash through right that procedure.
2: So for me, turning a negative to a positive is don't have the communication with that client in front of others. I hate to see that because the client's already anxious enough as they are, or you know potentially angry. So bring them into a room, bring them around, you know the the corner, something like that. In in terms of like the side of the desk, not in front of the desk, and say to them, it's a, a huge priority for me to get this right. I'm sorry that we've, we've dropped the ball, you know, for a few minutes today. What I'm going to do is I'm actually going to rebook you now so that when we finish your treatment today, you don't need to wait. The additional time to rebook next, so they see it as even though I'm waiting for my appointment, I've done the last step first, mm. and that that does save some time. Um, again, working on why. So if the client is concerned about the customer service, you know, delivery, let's talk about why that happened and get them part of the program. So there's been a couple of times where we've dropped the ball in our customer service, and I said to them, you know, Jake, would you be open to you know providing some feedback on your next two treatments? can I pop you in for a complimentary appointment next month? I'll give you a call and ask you a series of questions and we can see how much better we've done this time. Hmm. And it has that client engaged in being part of your development as well and improving your clinic, not just, you know, palming off something free and not delivering anything for it. Yeah, I guess, yeah,
0: the client's anger stems from, you know, it's not so much the five minutes late. It's it's the excuses they get, and exactly. and that customer yeah. service around it that optimise people
2: and just say, look, you know, this is not you know not something we're proud of. I'm sorry that we're running behind. We're doing as much as we can right now to get you through to the next room. But what I'd like to do to make sure that we make the most of your time while you're here is let's look at rebooking you now, so you're not waiting when you go out. Yeah, and it's giving that that additional service mm. there.
0: And I guess just acknowledging, sorry, we screwed up. Yeah, you know, just saying I'm really sorry often. Yeah. People just want to hear that.
2: Exactly right. Yep. yep. And there's heaps of things you can do, which is, you know, it's 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 out of love. But you can stall a client. You can pop them in for an LED. You can do a skin consultation. You can ask them through interesting cosmetic injectables and, and, and have injector. a chat. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> refer, refer, refer. Um, but turning a negative into a positive, I think if you love your job and you're confident in who you are as as a provider, you're able to have that communication with any type of client, sitting them down, respecting their time, respecting how they feel, understanding their why. And dealing with that. And, and David and I speak a lot about the the two core emotions, fear and love. Which one are we dealing with? And how do I best get to a point where I can give you a better outcome? Because mm. right now I'm not proud of how you feel and I want to get to a point where we're, we're doing 100% of where we should be.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah, That can be quite difficult as well because sometimes I know in, in, like in the case of our clinics, for example, where you might be running late. But it's because clients have turned up late, which then impacts clients down the line. So, it can be kind of difficult. And you sort of see sometimes therapists in these situations where they're uh. popping a nasty conversation mm-hmm. with an angry client because they're running late. But it's actually not their fault. Yes. Um, and it can be really tiring. It was like the third or fourth one for that day. It's mm-hmm. three o'clock in the afternoon. You know, the countdown's on till everyone gets to go home. Yeah. And you're just sort of up to your third or fourth
2: sort of I think hopefully we catch it first yeah. and we start rebooking people as soon as they come in. Yeah. So you you're cutting down that time, you're offering glasses of water, tea, whatever is available to them and giving them the expectations straight away.
0: Can I ask um, cuz you both run super busy clinics. Mm. I've seen your timetables, they're just jam-packed. Mm-hmm. Do you ever sort of build in a little bit of slack with, you know, an extra 10-minute gap here and there just to, you know, anticipate Sometimes. those issues? <laughs> Yeah, because some clinics will think, okay, if we're going to be efficient, we can't have a single gap. Yeah. Other people will take that uh, other side of the coin where they build in a bit of slack. So Mm. you might have the odd 10 minute gap, which is
2: You need a bit of safety, but you don't want to block out heats of time because then the revenue of that clinic and the profitability of of the room drops. But I think giving yourself a bit of leeway is important Uh, and having someone consistently at your front desk that can manage those customer service expectations. Those things really helps.
0: That's actually a good point. Just managing the flow of people. Do you have yeah. a dedicated receptionist or not? Um, you know, is the paperwork done before they get in the room? Exactly all, right. all those things have a massive impact on the flow of the day by your 10th client.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I guess maybe leads us on to another point that we wanted to cover further on down the trap. But we might as well just cover it now because we sort of touched on it with um, like tips and tricks on like how to manage your calendar. Mm-hmm. for that day. How do you maximize your time? It's something I, I struggle with. I ask me for your advice too. on this all the time <laughs> um, because you're a therapist. You know how long things take. I'm a guy that doesn't do these treatments. Yeah. So for me, it's a little more challenging because I don't have the first-hand experience where there's where someone like yourself does. So what can people do to make sure that as Jake sort of touched on, not burning people out to the mm. point where there's no margin for error, but to the, also need to make sure that we're trying to maximize the, the output for that day and what, sure. what everyone's capable of
2: tricky question mm. uh, I think it's a constant balancing act uh, I do prefer to have someone uh, dedicated to front desk whether they're a therapist or a receptionist yeah. you can rather do that by having a swing therapist on that moves through all the treatment rooms make sure that they're, they're ready to go for the next client or they might be someone that's running through front desk you might have a receptionist that's on constantly how I choose to run our clinics is I'll have someone who's the first meet and greet straight away that means that within seconds, your client has been welcomed to the clinic, welcome back, hello, how are you? The paperwork is given We're we're managing the expectation of that client and we're managing whether or not we're running late, whether we're running early. All those sort of things. If we have time, are we offering them a complimentary consultation for skin? Have we ever seen them for cosmetic injectables before? Are they having skin but have never had laser? Do they want to do a test patch today? Do they want to talk about laser afterwards? Mm. So you get that conversation started straight away so that the treatment room itself isn't the first time that client has heard about what other services we do. Yeah. Um, but that is an extra wage that you're putting on. It's not necessarily – performing treatments all day, every day. So I guess it's about mapping out what your customer experience goal is and working back from there. There are times where you'll have dead parts of the day and that's really stressful as a clinic owner because you're looking at quiet laser rooms, quiet skin rooms and going, oh gosh, there's people on right now. But I think trying to utilize that time for training um, is really, really important. And I think if you have you know, a back-to-back-to-back-to-back day, that can be really motivating as well because you drive, you know, a bit of adrenaline and you're a bit excited, but you have to, not, I suppose, acknowledge that your therapists are going to be a little tired. So, let's mm. make sure you've got rest breaks in, not just their lunch break. Yeah. Think about the way you're rostering them as well. I know that when I first started in industry, I was doing five days on, two days off, which was a pretty normal thing at that point but for me i found that on my first day off all i was doing was just recovering recovering from you know the 80 to 120 patients you see in yeah. a day and you're just like you're getting off that energy yeah. the second day you've got half a day to be your own person and the, the last half of that second day, you're prepping for your next week at work. Hmm. So, I found I never really relaxed. So, I like my team to work on a four-day roster, which means they're getting three days off per week. And that, that really works for me. What
0: a lovely boss.
1: So, that's four <laughs> days, but the, the four days are longer.
2: They are, the yes. Longer shifts, yeah. but they
1: get their three days off. Yeah. Yes. And we try and, I guess, try and give them two days off in a row at some point during that three day off as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, it's always two days off in a row, sometimes three. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the way that it rosters, you've got some girls that might have four days off in a row because we're going to do a two-week roster. Yeah, right. So, you're going to run three, two weeks each time. Yeah. Um. It's, it's a constant juggling act when we talk about how many treatments to put in one particular room, how many rooms to open, mm. those sort of things. But I think if you can look at what your ideal outcome is for your client experience and work backwards from there, yep. if your team have time to, you know, it's a dirty word, but upsell, yep. if they have a time to convert over to another treatment, if they have time to talk about products rather than be so stressed that like, oh gosh, I'll just book you in for a skin consultation next time I see you, yep. you've lost that opportunity. Hmm. And who knows, maybe across the road has more time. Mm. And then your competitor gets that client.
1: Yeah.
0: Can I ask in, in your clinic, how do you manage particularly injectable uh, consultations? Because, you know, a, a common thing is to book half an hour for anti-wrinkle treatments and maybe, I don't know, 40 minutes for dermal fillers. But mm-hmm. sometimes someone will come in and have something so simple that you've wasted that half an hour. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. someone will ask for 10 mils of filler and you need <laughs> an hour and a half.
2: Yeah. So if you have a really good relationship with your front desk team. The injector can manage it. So, if you think about someone who comes in and wants a lip flip, say, which is just a couple of units to flip the top lip up, what that'll mean for that injector is they spent, you know, two point three seconds talking to them about that, and you've got, you know, twenty nine minutes left to go. So, I I guess I'd encourage my injector to talk about treatment planning, to talk about the other treatments we offer as a facility, not just injectables, and and moving that time. So it's it's worth it.
0: Yeah, but 100%. So
2: it's frustrating keeping
0: those, yeah. not necessarily longer, because you don't want to rush anyone, but have a, a longer first appointment mm-hmm. and then like you say Move treatment from there. plan so if you know that you're going to do a big filler treatment next week exactly. you can book that appropriately yeah. and not waste time I think there's that's nothing such wrong with you
2: voice. coming to the receptionist or the the front desk team and saying hey like this client actually wants to do you know four meals today I'm going to need a couple of extra minutes yeah. so let's call the next client that's due for you and say you know hi Mrs Smith you're due to see Dr Jake at two o'clock today we're going to run a little bit behind just preemptive. don't rush to your appointment we'll see you close to say ten past two or or would you like to have a complimentary consultation with one of the skin therapists while you wait?
0: I think people would really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, a, or an LED
1: or if you need an opportunity yes. to do a test patch in an area they haven't had treated before. Exactly right. Yeah. 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 It's difficult. Look, it, it's not an exact science. You're not going to get it right all the time, but I guess you can put steps mm-hmm. in place to help yes. make it run better. And rather than seeing those situations as wasted time as an opportunity Yes. to educate your clients further and perhaps introduce them to things they hadn't, hadn't thought about or things that they may need or benefit from.
2: Exactly right. And it's even when you have contractors in your clinics, mm. whether they're cosmetic injectors, doctors, whoever it is that you're choosing to have in <coughs> your team, if they've taken a really long appointment, say, and it's taken them a quarter of the time, why don't we encourage our contractors to come to front desk and start talking to our regular clients? let's do some education for our therapists; so they can better refer. Mm. So every minute of your day, you can actually be spending creating a positive outcome for that clinic and for yourself. Yeah. I think it's just having the right attitude towards it.
1: Yeah. And let's face it. I mean, the, the industry is just getting more competitive by the day. So if there's things that you can do that everyone else isn't in terms of customer service and taking advantage of these periods exactly of time, right. where you have got the client there um, to build that relationship and further educate. Why wouldn't you? Yeah,
2: exactly right.
0: Here's a, a tricky question. Can you speak on any experience on in-clinic conflict between, you know, therapists or injectors, doctors mm-hmm. versus management or yourself? Like what sort of issues crop up commonly and, and how have you approached those?
2: I think we are, we're working That's in like a how team. Long you <laughs> <laughs> we're working in a team. So there's lots of different personalities and lots of goals and and competing strategies and those sort of things and how to manage particular things. Yeah. I think... Um, we We talk about measurable uh, I suppose deliverables. So if you have a minimum expectation on how you'll communicate with your team and your colleagues and you know you know where everyone should be sitting respectfully, it makes it easier to manage conflict. Yeah. So if as the owner or the manager you're the living example of what you see as, you know, the the best LCA therapist or the best, you know, clinic manager or wh- whatever it is that you know you're choosing to be, yep. it makes managing conflict better because there are above the line behaviors and below the line behaviors and defining that line is what's really important. Mm. So I think conflict is going to happen all the time especially in this industry we're all passionate. We all have different opinions about how to best manage a particular situation. Yeah. We also have different motivations but i think remembering that you're a team first and you're a treatment provider second which is kind of you know it's a, it's a strange thing to say but the healthier the team the better outcome for the clinic so if we can have really you know defined i suppose measurable outcomes for how we speak to each other how we communicate to particular you know conflicts and sitting down and saying let's talk about how this you know can work better next time mm. it's a lot better sometimes you're going to have a little bit of a you know a bit of a disagreement, but I think it's about acknowledging you're on the same team, you're all pulling in the right direction. And whilst your workplace might be diverse in the personality types and you know, potentially cultural backgrounds as well, yeah. it's looking at it and going, Okay, we need to get to the best outcome for the clinic, let's work on that.
0: I'm going to push you on this because I feel like you've <laughs> escaped my question. <laughs> what um common things come what up with things? say therapists, and you know, what you know, because th- this will help yeah.
2: okay. potential
0: yeah. clinic owners or current clinic owners anticipate these things?
2: So I think whenever you, stop, you have... Why,
0: why did you stop following me on
1: Instagram? On <laughs> <upstairs>? <laughs> We've seen that,
2: yeah. So, okay, a common one that we get in our clinics is that we provide educational opportunities uh, to all of our, our therapists, but there are times where a particular uh class or we'll have an industry expert come in and speak to our team members, it's based on the sales results of last month. Say, So, yeah. let's say we introduced chloresca into Laser Clinics Australia last month um, and part of our, I suppose, promotion for that was whoever was able to convert as many consultations to a successful outcome for that particular treatment would be invited to a masterclass. Yeah. Uh, so, that breeds a bit of competition. So what we don't want is therapists flogging treatments to people that they don't, you know, they don't necessarily need it. Yeah. But we also, which is something that we get a little bit is, let's say you've got 10 Brazilian underarm clients coming in and then there's one skin consultation. Yes. So it's making sure that you're you're running through those clients effectively and not skipping treatments yeah. to only get to the clients that look like they're going to spend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's difficult to manage. But I think if you're at front desk and you're delegating treatments through and you're making sure there's a fair, I suppose, uh, give, the I guess, yeah, then, then it's fairer.
0: Okay. What about uh, conflict within the injectable room? This is uh, <laughs> hilarious, if, if I'm honest, but what sort of things have you uh, struggled with, with, you know, employing injectors or what things have they found not quite right within your clinic?
2: Uh, I think that speaking from my experience in my clinics, our injectors are all very different and for the most part they actually attract a different type of clients and deliver a different aesthetic outcome yes so i think sometimes there's a little bit of concern for our injectable team that there may be some favouritism about well this consultation was booked with this person but i was also free at that time mm. or those sort of things so i think it's about managing the relationship between the injector because and you the have therapist.
0: injectors on the same day multiple injectors exactly that, yeah, yeah. That, that's tricky yeah
2: yeah so let's say you have someone that that is beautiful at doing a really natural subtle but you have a client coming to you that has a very exaggerated aesthetic, they're not going to be best suited to that very injector. Nice way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're best placing them with a different injector. Yeah. So sometimes, can, especially if your injectors are working on commission, that can be seen as a bit of a conflict. Yes. But I think having an open conversation with people and being known as a fair person to work with, I think that, that helps you straight away.
0: And not only that, but the, the client will eventually – choose who they want to go with. Exactly. And 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 they'll become their regular anyway. So I guess it's
2: we're paid to get the best outcome for our clients, not necessarily be entirely, you know, yeah. Everyone gets one client here, one client here, one client here. It might be that one person deserves all three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any strategies to, you know, make injectors busier? Because that's probably the number one thing, you know, an injector will join a clinic and they sort of sit around for a few months wondering why they're not packed out immediately, which is completely unrealistic. You know, David and I have often spoke about, you know, it probably takes a good six months to really establish some sort of. Uh, idea of what your regulars are, who your repeats are and what treatments you're good in, and yeah. and what you need to actually improve.
2: I think sit down with your injector and learn how they learn and learn how they communicate because I've made mistakes previously at sending quite calm and and timid injectors out into, say, Westfield and giving out flyers. That's the worst thing for them to do. And they hate it because they don't want to talk to people. They're not about that. They want to do a nice thorough consultation when the client has come to them.
0: One-on-one, yeah.
2: And then you've got some people that you've kept in a room that's quiet and they hate it and they want to be out talking to everyone. They want to go out and, and, you know, spread the word about, you know, I'm here and I'm ready to go. So I think it's about working uh, with that injector as to how they want to build their business but also letting the injector know the opportunities available to them. For my clinic, say, there's 55 employees. You have 55 people that you need to meet and, you know, for, to a certain degree they pay to make you successful as well. They're booking your consultations for you. So it's about making sure your therapists know who you are, what you're great at, what you're passionate about and building a business from there and working on referrals as well. Yeah, Social media is a big thing, but focusing just on what you can physically influence in your day-to-day, yeah. I think be open to opportunities to talk to, you know, an underarm laser client about the injectable treatments available to them. It's it's not always the client that books in that says, I am specifically interested with anti-wrinkle injections or dermal fillers. Yeah. It could be someone who's thought about it for so long, but just never had the opportunity. Yeah. And to a certain degree, our skin consultations should also encourage our clients to seek those sort of uh, conversations as well, because there's only so much you can do. And what if someone wants a really rapid uh, I suppose result in their crow's feet. There's only so many appointments I can do for you in a clinic room. But what if we could just treat you one time with our cosmetic injector, yep. and you'd reduce that that look straight away?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think from from my experience is that as a business owner or a manager, you may not know how to do the treatment or be qualified or legally allowed to do the treatment. Mm-hmm. But I think, especially when it comes to dealing with injectables, is having an understanding. Of their job, you understand what they're doing. You understand how the how the process works, how the drugs mm-hmm. work. What could, like just how you can have an intelligent conversation with your injector. I think goes a long way in terms of building that mutual respect. Like you understand their job mm-hmm. to a certain degree. You understand the challenges that they're going to face in terms of patients that may come back with an aesthetic result that looks great but they're just not happy with. And mm-hmm. being able to have those those conversations where you're like collaborating with your injector. You're on the same I team. Agree. Where I think yeah. sometimes people want to introduce injectables into their business. That is throw the injector in the room. They're a separate entity Mm, altogether. There's no relationship for understanding. And I think that's where it can become quite difficult. And I think a lot of injectors may become disillusioned and unhappy with that working relationship.
2: Yes, I think so too. And if you think about the treatments you're providing as a cosmetic injector, it's a treatment plan straight away. So rebooking your clients, Mm. letting them know that you you'll hold the spot for them for three to four months time. Yeah. Those sort of things to make sure that you're guaranteeing your business in the next, you know, next quarter. So I think that, you know, you're right in terms of talking through I might not know how to do your job. But let me, you know, help you build a client base and understand a little bit about what you do. And that's the same for an injector to a therapist position. There's no point you having that client spend thousands and thousands of dollars with you if their texture and tone doesn't look great, if their pigmentation doesn't look great. If I can be helping that client 100% and do like a full circle approach to their skin, it's much, you know, better outcome for the clinic, for the client and for the administrator of the treatment that we get that client to, you know, the best result for them.
1: Definitely. I mean, I had a chat with one of my injectors a couple of weeks ago and I was just, she's worked elsewhere in, in previous employment and I basically just wanted to pick pick their brain about what we do well, what, what they found different working with us. And it was I was astounded that the response was, well, you talk to me, for starters, that's what's different. So this person didn't have any sort of relationship or conversation history with their previous Ryan. situation. And I was like, that was just, that was something I found quite surprising that there just was no, either no interest or fear of not understanding. So it didn't mm. engage in the conversation.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, we've worked together and yeah. that was the main difference that I'd had having worked in previous clinics that you understood my role. You've, participate in treatments you understand downtime you you have a very good idea of good result not so good result and therefore if there is any conflict resolution with a client Mm. you're in a very good position as an owner but not the injector to sort of understand the situation yeah Yeah. um whereas yes as you say if you've just got an owner who throws an injector in the clinic and says go yeah it's (laughs) it's almost impossible to to juggle those situations Yes.
2: You know, sit down with your team members and say, like, what are you great at? What do you think is your signature treatment? And uh, let me, like, give examples of particular conflicts and say, how would you like me to handle this from an operational perspective before it gets to you? Yeah. Because maybe you have a client call and say, you know, Dr. Jake did my treatment and I'm not really happy with this thing and this is happening and how to, you know, draw that conversation down and calm and neutral yeah. and then book them in for a review. Yeah. Um Sorry it's very rare that happens, by the way, just to add in,
1: a- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's just the, the industry is competitive now. I mean, it, it wasn't 10 years ago. It is now. You need to be offering a point of difference. You need to have the relationship with your staff, with your injectors, with your clients. You need to be in it for the right reasons. Um, I think there is a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon in a hurry to get into this industry because they think it's just an amazing way to make money and it's going to be easy Mm -hmm. um you know jake was saying it takes six to 12 months of solid hard work to develop a a, a consistent client a client-based consistent billing Mm -hmm. you need to put in the hard yards um it's not going to come easy you need to be prepared to to sort of go through that that pain period to develop that one of the other things that's a huge pressure on businesses, particular, particularly businesses that rely on expensive equipment, mm. is when stuff breaks. <laughs> um, oh. You know, Mechanical things break. Sometimes mm. it's just wear and tear. Um, sometimes people abuse equipment that don't look after it properly. How do you manage that? Because it can make the difference between running a profitable business mm. and losing money if you're forever replacing broken parts and and, and and so on. How do you manage that?
0: Some of these lasers, what, hundreds of thousands yeah, of dollars? absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. And you've it's, got like a, it's like, a, yeah, like a very expensive car. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes, yeah. yes, very much. So if you're not laser trained yourself but you own a laser business, I think it's really important to actually sit in on the training on how to maintain mm-hmm. yeah uh, and the safety of, of how you're maintaining your treatments so your machinery as well. Um Whoever sells you that laser wants you to keep it safe. It's true. Then they've got maintenance contracts and insurance contracts and all those sort of things, but they want to teach you how to do this well. If you did the qualification in laser safety as well, you'll understand how to use the machinery and the equipment and how to keep it as safe as possible. But essentially, that machine should look brand new every day, it should be treated like gold every day, and your maintenance should be daily. I think a lot of people say, look, I'll, I'll give it a vacuum in terms of the vents every month or so, or I'll wipe down the hand pieces. It should happen every morning, every night, and between every single client. Uh, the, the gentler you are with your machinery and the more time you spend in training your team the better outcomes you'll have for your clinic. The more education you have as an owner or as a manager, the better outcomes you have for your clinic. And essentially, it's coming out of your pocket when it breaks. Mm. And a broken machine can, can sometimes mean downtime for that day and then you've got to rebook all those clients. So yes, it's five minutes extra in your day to make sure that the lasers are effectively cleaned and looked after properly, yeah. but it could save you you know, thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. later down the track. Yeah. If you are taking into consideration the, the lasers that we've chosen to use in our clinics which is a a candela laser candela will offer you training almost as often as you like it but definitely we do the yearly top ups to say okay are you still doing the treatments the way you should be doing them have you formed some strange muscle memory that you're pulling the handpiece when you're changing the spot size of that laser, are you really extending the laser handpiece too far and, and therefore stretching it and putting too much pressure on the fibre itself? There's lots yep. of different things that you can be doing that can lead to that that breakage. Um, and working with your team, I do a lot of conditioning training with my team. So I'll go back in, even if you've been with me for years, I'll come back in and say, show me an arm, show me a leg, show me an underarm Brazilian, because it's strange. The uh, most skills... Exactly. Up and, yeah. You,
0: know, you sort of just b- become comfortable in doing one thing one way yeah even if you know it's not right it's just easier for you yeah um and I totally agree
2: yeah and it's it's funny what people will do when it becomes their norm so you'll find that I had one therapist once take for example she was having a really sore forearm after working and I kept like thinking I wonder why this is happening like why is she experiencing so much fatigue in her arm Mm. when she's lasering but on the machines that we use, we have the option to set a speed. So a speed for how many shots are coming through. But instead of just holding the trigger down, she was pressing the trigger every single second. Oh, wow. So that's why she was getting so sore. Now no one had ever taught her to do that. But her muscle memory had just decided that that's how she's going to be utilizing that laser. Yeah. So you've got the wear and tear on the handpieces, you know, thousands of times more than what it would have been had she just been holding down with yeah. the Pressure, but also her workplace and health yeah. safely. And yeah, yeah. it's just, it's crazy things she pick up. Or people that will laser and rock. I always find that really interesting. So they're almost doing like a little dance when they're <laughs> lasering to the beat, into the beat. Yeah. <laughs> they do because they'll they'll hear the beep of the laser and they'll start like grooving along with it. Mm. So it's it's interesting. I think that laser maintenance, working with the safety of your therapist, is something you've got to keep doing daily.
0: Such a really interesting uh, point there. I, I see a lot of you know videos on Instagram of people injecting or just stooping over a bed looking like they're breaking their back Mm -hmm. and you know when I used to work as a surgeon one of the most important things I was ever taught is make yourself comfortable and bring the patient to you a
2: hundred percent so you get your
0: bed height or your angle or or your assistant to help you however you're Mm -hmm. working because you can't do that every day 15 clients a day you'll end up in hospital yeah, or and worse. funnily enough,
2: like one of the things that I started doing actually led me to having cosmetic injectables for the first time. So I was working in industry doing IPL, and I found that when I was concentrating, I would lock my jaw. Because I was so focused on keeping my body loose and calm that I would lock my, my jaw and my facial muscles. And I was yep. getting huge headaches by the end of the day. And it was suggested to me that I have cosmetic injectable treatment to my masseter muscles. Yes. And once I had that treatment done, it just changed my life. There you go. I, of course, had to work out how to work healthier and better for myself. But you'd be surprised. Like, take take a moment when you're doing your next treatment for the therapist listening Take a moment when you're doing an your X treatment, whether it's a facial, whether it's a wax, whether it's laser, whatever it is, and find what you're tensing. And just release that because a lot of people lock their knees. Yes. A lot lot of people people hold their
0: breath as well when they're injecting or I don't know if they do it whether they're lasering. But you're almost uh, following what your client is doing. Sometimes the client's (laughs) a bit tense and you just mirror them subconsciously. Yes. Uh, So that's not not ideal. So you've just got to be comfortable in what you're doing.
2: Yeah. I always find this type of training really interesting in doing that conditioning. Mm. Um, But also going back to what people think they're meant to be doing when they're maintaining a laser because like oh i've never never thought of doing that like you were, you were trained to do that though I, I swear to god i trained you i'll tell you but one useful thing
0: yeah. um i don't know if you can apply this to to laser but film yourself doing a treatment get someone to film yeah you. That's it, this is what i did yeah. and i kind of looked at myself and thought well, why am i doing that or could yeah. i be doing it better another way or going to the other side of yeah, the bed or whatever suggestion. it is economy so, of movement I mean, that really helps yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good suggestion.
1: Yeah, very good. There you go. Well, gosh, we've like just put out almost an, almost two hours of therapist <laughs> education. It's gone so, so quickly. We'll probably, I think, wrap this one up for today. But look, um, if anyone listening out there wants to hear more from Cassandra or they've got any specific questions, just hit us up, send us a DM, like we're really yeah. enjoying engaging with our listeners and hearing what they want to learn more about or who they want to hear from. So if you've got questions, anything specifically, please let us know so we can, if we build up enough questions and enough um I guess uh, desire to have you back then we can luckily I've got good access to Cassandra so you can come up it and have a chat with, with that. us again That's Easy.
0: it works a little bit I guess if you listen yeah. to a podcast and you think oh, I wish they'd asked this or I want to expand on that just let us know yeah. we can yeah. always reach out to our guests and, and find out those answers for you well Sounds thanks good. Thanks again Cass for giving us your
1: time we know you, you are a busy lady with lots <laughs> of people to look me. after um, have a safe drive back to Canberra just before you go can you just remind us how people can get in touch with you again
2: uh, so Social media, full circle skin. Uh, but if I'm honest, I love a good email. Okay. Send me an email, let's connect, let's organise a phone call, let's really you know, work through how I can help and, and how we can help each other. So, info at fullcircleskin.com.au.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much. Have a good safe drive home. <laughs> Bye. Bye. For our latest news, upcoming episode information and mini video clips of our guests, you can follow us on Instagram at Inside underscore Aesthetics.
1: We've also just started a YouTube channel called Inside Aesthetics and we'll be uploading more content and longer videos in the future.